Hello, and welcome to the Overland Journal podcast. I am your host, Scott Brady, and I'm joined today by my co-host, Matt Scott. Now, we have a very fun conversation about a new category of vehicles that we like to call ultra overlanders, or maybe think of it kind of like the grand tour of overlanding. Now, it's really important to preface before we even start that it's important not to take any of this too seriously. This conversation is really meant uh, to be a fun dialogue about all of these uh, very highly capable, fast, oftentimes luxurious vehicles that are coming into the overland space. And the reason why we tested them and the reason why we're covering them is twofold. Uh, First of all, they have actually become very popular for overland travel. We're seeing them used more and more by our readership. And secondly, these vehicles oftentimes introduce new technologies that's important for us to be able to become familiar with. Uh, So that way, when they're available on more standard vehicles, we already have a baseline of understanding of how the performance should work. So think of these long travel vehicles, oftentimes they're supercharged, hybrid drivetrains. They've got uh, much larger tires oftentimes than typical stock vehicle would have fitted. So this is a very fun conversation about the Ford F-150 Raptor R, uh, the Ford Bronco Raptor. We also talk about the GMC AT4X AEV 1500 in both the gas and diesel variant. We also talk about the Ram TRX, which is in in its last days of production. We also include in the conversation the Jeep Wrangler Rubicon 392 with that 500 plus horsepower V8. And then we have some minor dialogue around the Toyota Tundra TRD Pro, the Galandewagen 4x4 squared, and also the classic Ram Power Wagon uh, that's available in a three quarter ton. So these are all of the ultra overlanders. So these are a little bit extra, a little bit extreme. Don't take the conversation too seriously. Now, again, with all of these principles of overlanding, all of these main gear reviews, main field tests that we do on the podcast, these all come from our work at Overland Journal. So the reason why it's called the Overland Journal podcast is this is all of our learnings that we create through the production of our premium print publication. So one of the best ways that you can support our podcast is to subscribe to the magazine. And you can find out more information on overlandjournal.com. So please enjoy my conversation about ultra overlanders with Matt Scott. So we're talking about ultra overlanders today. We are, which we could not have an ultra overlander podcast without Matt Scott present. Because you are actually the one that came up with grand touring overland. Yeah, yeah. And then I adapted to include the term ultra overlander probably a better term no i think that they're both great like ultra overlander is the word and grand touring overlanding is the definition maybe there's just become almost a segment of of not almost there is now a bona fide segment of vehicles that are incredibly applicable to overlanding that are just a little extra a little ultra a little a little more than you know dare i say they're kind of luxury overlanders in a way. Yep. Um, and you almost have to kind of, you almost have to separate things in a way. Yeah. Because there's the vehicles that you actually choose for, um, you know, extended global travel. Mm-hmm. And then there's the vehicles that could do it with a little bit of panaz. And we're today talking about the latter. <laughs> well, and also, Overlanding in North America just really isn't that difficult. There's a lot of infrastructure and with Starlink now and Garmin inReach and any other number of things. So there are going to be people who are going to want to do things a little different or maybe they like a little bit more comfort or speed or um, just general like smiles per mile or or it's easier for some people to write the check or have the bigger finance payment than it is to go through the process of upgrading and modifying yeah you know i think i think that it's kind of maybe important to say like you know okay well why are we talking about uh, a raptor r why are we going to be talking about the 392 wrangler the bronco r 
AV Prospector, Excel, like all of these things. Because so many people end up modifying their core overland vehicles, which were not, you know, maybe yeah. a, a, a regular Tundra or F-250, F-150, something. They all kind of end up modifying them so much that they, they become these kind of ultra overlander vehicles. That's a really good point, Matt. Yeah. And I hadn't, I didn't include that in the article and I need to go back in and revise it <laughs> because that's probably one of the strongest arguments is yeah. that a lot of times people will take an entry level model and they'll put long travel suspension, much longer tires, and all of that reduces payload to begin with. So mm-hmm. then they end up probably pretty close, but then they don't have a warranty. And a lot of times they don't work as well because it doesn't have all that the, factory like engineering. The, the TRD Pro Tundra, for example, is kind of a good option. Like you, you know, now they have decent, decent shocks, decent suspension, decent yeah. travel, a little wider track, all that kind of stuff. Um, you know, if you if you do the aftermarket route to it, you're ending up with more heim joints. You're ending up with shocks that have to be rebuilt a lot more. Yeah, you know, not not always, but um, you're you're just ending up with with more performance based components that are maybe more applicable to like a race truck or a Baja truck where when we kind of come back a little bit towards that kind of the overlanding principles of kind of not deviating too much from stock. Yeah. A lot of these vehicles are that, you know, a uh, uh, kind of factory skunk works yeah. already modified and already done machine. And warrantied, and you can finance the whole thing into one payment. Yeah. So I think I think if the plan is to buy a stock vehicle and then modify it heavily with all of this aftermarket stuff, yeah. it may be worth considering one of these ultra models because it may actually get you there cheaper at the end of the day because you're not you're not taking off a set of wheels, you're not removing a suspension that you've already paid yeah. for. Um, there's, there is some economy that I think come, which and, is and hard. Then, it's hard to say economy around these trucks because I think the cheapest one in this lineup is $88,000. So it's crazy how expensive vehicles have become. They really um, are. A buddy of mine, Will Marshall was in town and he's getting a new Raptor and the sticker on it's like 90. Yeah. For just like a, kind of like a base wrap, not a base Raptor, you know, well, well equipped, but I bought that same truck you know, or the equivalent in 2017 for like 64. Yeah. You know, it, it, it is. And some of the very first Raptors that came out, you could, you, they could be purchased from the dealer because they weren't really known yet in the high thirties. Yeah. So it's really, and those trucks are still in the thirties. Oh yeah. They're super, because there's a, you know, they've really, Ford has proven that the concept works so much so that everybody else is chasing Everybody's them. Everybody's doing it. Yeah. that everybody's chasing them. So uh, like for me, the one really important caveat is that I'm not suggesting that these ultra overlanders are the right choice for v- very many people, but they are going to be a great choice for some people yeah. and they are just fun enough. They're, they're so enjoyable to drive because I was a huge critic of these things up until I got a chance to finally drive all of them, starting with driving your TRX, which was a wonderful vehicle. Yeah, and I remember when my when my attitude towards these vehicles started to change was when we're on Expedition 7, we're coming into Ushuaia, we just done all this stuff in these Land Cruisers, and the very first overland vehicle that I saw in Ushuaia was a Ford Raptor with a four-wheel camper in the bed and Utah plates. So, kind of started the same place we did. Now we went a little bit different route to get there, but yeah. but they drove all, and we were able to talk to them. They drove all the way from Utah to Ushuaia in this Ford Raptor, and I asked if anything had gone wrong with the truck. They're like, nothing. And they didn't do anything to modify it. It was an unmodified Raptor yeah. with a four-wheel camper in the back. Maybe they had done something to the springs. In yeah, the rear. you can do some Deaver springs <clears throat> yeah. or whatever. But that was it. I... <laughs> There, there, there just, there is an argument. Like if you are the type of person that, that really derives joy from driving, a, a lot of these vehicles may, may be up your alley because yeah, they're going to worth more, checking out. Yeah. They're going to, they're going to more conform to that idea of keeping it stock because yeah. it actually goes through dur- durability testing and reliability testing and there's prop you know i'm not saying that the aftermarket doesn't have proper engineers but there's a lot of you know 
big master car heim joints and suspension components that yeah, i see that's right that's true um i i use that as a as as kind of a joke but um anyway yeah. so what what inspired you to buy the trx it seemed like it was a little bit of a like an impromptu purchase like you you hadn't really yeah it, it had just kind of became available i guess because they were year. really hard to get they were really hard to get um i guess this was like probably 2021 yeah um the dealership that i had had bought a few vehicles from had one come available yeah jeff simpson reached yeah, out to you. jeff simpson it wasn't horribly over sticker yeah. at the time because everything was selling first considerably over sticker at the time and i was at the press launch for it and i was just like really really impressed with it i had had a raptor prior to it so and, and it, talk about how was your raptor um was it like a one of the at the time was there only one raptor model or was there several at, at the time there was one raptor Got model it. this was like the second gen raptor i w guess was yours v8 powered no or? no it was the the three five v6 turbo. twin v6, turbo yeah. it was it was great honestly like i went from uh an f250 to the raptor um to the gladiator to a stock 2500 to the trx to the pxl so i went through like all of these like super trucky things yeah. like back to back to back you're well qualified to this conversation yeah i'm the exact opposite i've driven them all extensively but i've never spent my own money on one yeah <laughs> and 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 on all of them i did not receive any of course manufacturer yeah. assistance or anything yeah, so of course. um you know the the trx was one of the best cars i've owned that i could just like hop in and drive that the the 1500 ram chassis is is really good um throw a v8 in there and active suspension like the bilstein blackhawk yeah or whatever it was just for for going down dirt roads for kind of having fun in the dunes um even the highway even the highway like some twisties like it was just kind of it was just like really fun the annoying thing with the trx was the fuel economy yeah it, it just there it was a 700 horsepower supercharged v8 yeah like it it uh and that's the case for all of these vehicles in this test the um the the bronco gets a little bit higher yeah. on the gas mileage range and then you can get the gmc at4x aev with the diesel and then of mm. course that's like literally three times better fuel economy than the trx yeah. three times that's <laughs> crazy you know the, the trx just i lent it to chris walker who's a very very well qualified four-wheel drive trainer professional driver i was like for a chase vehicle for the rebel rally i was in my earth roamer and uh I'm not like Chris did not abuse the car in any way, but Chris like used it as it was designed day after day after day for like 14 days. I want to say in Glamis, he was getting something like 2.8 <laughs> miles to the gallon. Yeah. Um, you know, so <laughs> I mean, that's, that's com. It's, it, it can get comically bad fuel economy. That was my experience with it. When I was driving it like in pure smiles per mile yeah. mode, it was 7.6 7.8 on average yeah you know i didn't spend as as much time in the raptor r as you have um drove around a little bit while I was yeah here. i liked the trx more than the raptor r mm. um the vehicle i actually like more than both of them is the standard raptor um i think that you put these big heavy v8s with all of the ancillary cooling and superchargers and all the stuff that goes in um in, into them and they just become a little too heavy on the front end the, the the raptor has a little bit more suspension travel i think that the the dampening is actually better on the raptor at speed is my experience yeah, yeah. um the the trx would bottom out yes uh, you know softly quite a bit softly sprung but it, it's also it's also like the hero vehicle for the average owner yeah so somebody who's not going to do anything too stupid yeah it's really, really good. Like it's consistently comfortable in all conditions, even low speed. Yeah. Um, whereas I found that the the Raptor R 
only really got good when things started to get illegal mm. on the street or the dirt. So even even like the the second gen one that I had, second gen Raptor, the things that that vehicle was capable of, um, you know, was was really impressive. Like to the point of like, do you really do you really need it? Like like for public. It, it, they're really they're really biased towards the street like and 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 i say that because the amount of horsepower and the amount of speed that you have you just don't have the suspension travel to really really back it up um i mean you look at in, in baja and you look at the amount of vehicles that have 700 horsepower yeah and how much suspension travel they have right well you know the first thing somebody does when they get in them is they just pedal to the metal and you know, you, you can, it, it can bite really, really quick if you don't know what you're doing. Like I, I, re, I remember kind of in my Raptor days, the amount of people that you would see totally ball those things up. Oh yeah. Um, and, and, you know, they all thought by putting some heim joints here or this or that or, or whatever, they're going to make it a race truck. And yeah. The, but they forgot like the whole training part of becoming a race car, yeah, there's race that, truck driver. There, there's, there's the, Yeah. And that's the, I think that is the one thing that is important is if you look at the vehicle kind of like you would, um, you know, if you got a Prospector XL, like you've got all of this headroom of capacity yeah. and durability. If you look at something like a TRX or as a Raptor of like, I'm going to pretty much drive like how I normally drove, but now it's going to be so much more comfortable. And if something does go wrong, like I miss a corner or I hit a G out that's like way deeper than you expected or a washout, the vehicle's going to be fine. Yeah. But if you start trying to call him a cray, the thing, the problem is, is that there's some grandparents coming the other direction. Mm. So anytime we test these vehicles, we have to shut the whole, yeah. you know, dirt track down to, and have marshals and radios and just to even the, the, start to test it. The, the rally car uh, analogy is really good with with all with everything that almost everything that we're talking about um except the 392 yeah maybe except <laughs> for that but it's the only time i in in all of my testing of vehicles that i have actually had had the thing go just squirrely enough where i actually out loud yelled whoa nelly <laughs> <laughs> i have never used those words together in my entire life Except I, for with the 392. <laughs> I thought the 392 was nice, but... Um, I, lo I loved it. it. It made It's the definitely the one that made me smile yeah. and just feel like an absolute teenager the most out of all of them. You could push the button to make it even louder. <laughs> I, I'm, I'm actually really excited for the, the motor that's going to be coming to the... I mean, it's not going to be called the 392, but the hot Wrangler next, which is going to be that twin turbo inline yeah. six. Because for street, I'm all about torque. Yeah. Like the th problem with the 392 to me is where its power band really was. Like you had to kind of be on it. Oh, yeah. Um, oh, yeah. And, and it was cool. But like, I don't know, like the big lumpy V8 thing is maybe not my thing. And you made that point when we talked about it the last time of, you know, it's pretty dated. It's a pretty dated motor. And I wasn't really aware of that. Um, I, I think the, cha the biggest challenge with the Wrangler is that it's a rock crawler. Yeah, with 500 plus horsepower, so it's it it just the the engine starts writing checks that the chassis has zero percent chance of ever cashing. Yeah, so um, it, limited suspension travel, solid axle. But as kind of like again going back to this idea, is we're not really talking about these vehicles in the application of a rally car yeah and we're not taking they're them all, they are all really really fun and amazing at yeah. doing that like yeah and you can't take any of them too serious and you can't even take this conversation seriously yeah. those that are listening like we're not we're not making any kind of overland advice in this conversation yeah. we're just saying that there there are these vehicles out there that are the equivalent of of a of a mclaren in scale, like if you were to look at a four-wheel drive and yeah. you look at a Raptor R, it is the equivalent of a McLaren supercar, but a lot of people can actually afford it. Yeah. Whereas there's like five dudes that can afford the supercar and there's maybe 500 dudes that can afford yeah. the Raptor R. I, we go back to the, the, 
the folks who drove down to Ushuaia in the Raptor. Yeah. Like that would be a, just a great choice. Like particularly now that the Raptor can get up to 1500 pounds of payload. Yeah. Um, boy, that would be a, a, you know, that with just a, a, a modest four wheel camper or like yeah. a, like a wet, like an AT camper would be really cool. Um, that, get in that and just go, you, you would have fun in it. Yeah. You know, let's talk about, and they also never had trouble with, because even though it says premium fuel 91, they just put whatever the best fuel they could find the whole way down, and it never threw a code. The, never the EcoBoost can learn. So you can run 87 in it when you're just like on the highway and you don't need the power, and then right. it will actually adjust to the 91. It's pretty cool. Um, but you, you, could, you could have a lot of fun with a vehicle like this. Yeah. You know, like let's say that the Raptor, let's say the Bronco, let's let's – make sure that you know the gmc sierra 1500 yeah at4 xaeb blah blah thing in there um long name like all these vehicles are going to be fun they're all going to excel in the areas that you kind of want an overlander to excel which is you know spending a lot of time on dirt roads yeah Like, like oftentimes you're not doing baja whoops with a camper i mean you really just shouldn't be you know, no. the, the moment you convert a car to, to carrying stuff for a living, right. You know, like a microwave in there or whatever. Yeah, it's like, just, or don't, just don't do it. Even just like as simple as like a camp stove, like that camp stove, like gravity still is there. Right. Um, you know, they would all just really excel in, you know, long dirt roads, which is a lot of what we realistically do. And they're going to be reliable and they're not going to squeak. Yeah. And that's the thing that maybe drives me crazy about a lot of aftermarket suspension, particularly on uh, independent front yeah. suspension vehicles. I say they do these heim joints or these like uniballs and all this stuff. And I just like skip the upper control arms. Oh God, like, like I would not lift a car to not have to deal with that. Like yeah. it is like now there's some that are coming out that have a, like a ball joint. Toyota actually has a an OEM. There you go. That's perfect. Uh, upper control arm that realigns your front end, um, and that kind of stuff makes a ton of sense. But but the ones that give you that, I think some of them are an extra half an inch of travel or an extra. Three- and all it is is it's just moving it into a different direction, right? Like your your CV only has so much. So you're so you're 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 giving up any down travel that you have to in the hopes of trying to get a what more up travel or something no it's more down travel but the bigger issue too is that these cv axles especially if you're running factory axles they are designed to operate within a specific range so like for example full droop full lock with an with a cv front axle is when it's at its weakest so the more that that's why they have limited travel ranges because they're trying to preserve the cv under four like four wheel drive low rock crawling situations are trying to preserve those CVs. There's a reason why they have limited mm. amount of travel because full droop in a, with a CV and full lock, there's just very little material left. That's I, I just know that. that anytime I go out with somebody that has like a Tundra or a Tacoma that has done long travel or has done, you know, just mild lifts, like they all bring like axles with them and that's just not very practical. So that's where vehicles like this can be kind of yeah. interesting. For right. sure. Because um, uh, a TRD, you know, whatever, TRD off-road Tundra, and then you go and you, there's like this idea, oh, well, I'm going to be upgrading and getting something better. Like, I don't know if you're getting something better these days. Probably not. Um, and they're really, really good right out of the factory. Yeah. And the sure. amount of people, again, that can actually drive them to figure out that nth degree difference. Yeah. Are you actually going to be there? I, I think it's a lot. I think it's still just a lot of signaling. It's like, yeah. it's like I've got this extra fancy, whatever makes yeah. me cooler. Yeah. yeah. Mm. Well, let's go down the list. So let's start off with the Bronco Raptor, which, um, ultra overlanders for people that own white sunglasses. There you go. Or flat bills. Maybe. Yeah. yeah some pit vipers, maybe. Pit <laughs> And I think that that's, I mean, it, it does. We're not trying to sound mean because there's so many, there's so many amazing things about the, the Bronco Raptor, but it's just these fenders that make it look like such an afterthought from like a, 
it doesn't seem like a craftsman approach. It doesn't seem like a, like a thoughtful approach I, towards I, the. Vehicle. I recognize that the chassis is in its class, right? Phenomenal, it's really good. Um, and the thirty sevens are like it's like insane how capable it is. Yeah, I. Hmm. Just don't like it. Yeah, you've not been a fan of the Bronco, and yeah. whereas I, I would put my own money towards like a standard wide track or wild yeah. track or whatever uh, Bronco. Um, what I found with the Bronco Raptor was that it is so wide that then it becomes a liability in technical terrain. So then you're like, well, you would use it in more open terrain. Well, then why not have a Raptor F-150 that has the wheelbase and everything else to make it more stable and appropriate for high speed? So it kind, it kind of end up ends up having an incredible spec sheet but not a lot of excellence in any one area mm. um, it is very impressive like if you have some room on the trail and it's technical the thing is an absolute mountain goat well it's very much that kind of you know what ford did with the raptor was to bring baja race trucks to the everyman and this is meant to kind of bring the ultra four to everyman yeah that's know? true um but i just you know, I don't know. I, yeah, you're not a fan. And the other thing I found was that, that all these other vehicles are pretty fast. The, the uh, diesel GMC excluded. It's it's it is fast, but like compared to these other ones, it's it's not fast. But the uh, I was disappointed in the power of the Bronco uh, Raptor. Like you want it, it even says that the that the zero to sixty is. 4.7 or 4.8 or something and i could not get it to do even close to that in any condition so i'm not sure where they um where they got that number from but or maybe it's a different they had a different size package tire package mm. or something but like it felt pretty slow compared to these other monsters i i, I struggle to pay g-wagon money for a ford bronco yeah because they're in it's 90 grand yeah yeah it's expensive plus, plus adm and, and yeah. all of the stuff and uh i just don't think that it's a quality vehicle i think it's a really fun vehicle like if you're just like you know you know heck yeah i want to go mess up some public lands and see how many <laughs> like you know uh, uh cyclists i can run over on the forest service roads i think the bronco raptor r is like phenomenal for that or bronco r i guess it's not a raptor it's I a just, raptor yeah you know Bronco Raptor, but not the R. Yeah. <laughs> sure. Craftsmanship issues. Yeah. And that's the way I feel about those fenders. It's like somebody's just like, oh, shoot, this thing is so wide now. We got to put some fenders on it and it has to go on sale next week. Yeah. So they're like 3D printed, like they had their teenager 3D print some, like, <laughs> yeah, like grand grand theft auto as as like a as like a hooning car yeah, or whatever right? i think that the bronco raptor is probably super fun it is super fun it's super fun to drive but it is not in the same outcome as the rest of these vehicles so there are things to like like if you never had driven any of these other cars and you hopped in a bronco raptor you would your mind would be blown but that means you just haven't driven one of these other cars because yeah. there's so much better. Yeah, yeah. It's it's just like it's a UTV car. Yeah, it's my vibe. Yeah, yeah. That's it. that's a good point. But yeah. but three times more than a UTV. Yeah. All right. So then let's talk about the F one fifty Raptor R, which is on the list. You're a fan of the regular Raptor, but the the Raptor R in my mind was the highest performing. It's that little extra. Yeah. Oh yeah, thirty sevens makes a big difference. Yeah. Um, so, in my experience with some of these really big, you know, long travel trucks like that, I've been a little unimpressed with its technical terrain capabilities. But this thing did our most challenging track. Um, like, it probably would have done it in two wheel drive at thirty. Yeah, <laughs> but um, I didn't do that. But like, it it had no issues, whereas like the the uh 84x ev because it has a 33 inch tall tire so a four inch smaller tire two inches less ground clearance and also less lift built baked into it 
it was really dragging through this mm-hmm. these obstacles and the raptor r didn't touch anything it was literally effortless and then at the extreme there's nothing on this list that's even close the trx blows through the travel too quickly it's too yeah. softly sprung um, it has similar travel numbers but the way that it's tuned is very different and it feels like a heavier truck um, and it probably is I d- that i don't know but um, the raptor r with the 37s and 700 horsepower and that suspension at the limits it's the closest that i have felt since i've been in baja race trucks mm. so it is um it is as close to a factory ready race vehicle that i've ever seen yeah it's 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 very much kind of like the you know in sports cars you have the, the gt3 series so porsche does a gt3 mclaren does yeah. a gt3 like it's it's very much like a you know production special kind of vehicle except there's no like race series for it almost too bad that there isn't because that would be neat it'd be uh, again to what we were saying earlier is that you you couldn't put that much horsepower in a race car with that little travel sure you know you'd be asking for i mean i mean like like a trophy truck's not that much more yeah and you know you're twice the suspension travel and they usually run 39s so even bigger tires Um, and they're also lighter weight as well they can be um but again, as this kind of like very special occasion overland truck, like it'll do it all. Yeah. I mean, know? it really did. In fact, you and I did a trip together. We went out to, to uh, what lake did we go Alamo to? Lake. Alamo Lake. Yeah. yeah. And, and, I, and I towed a uh, Patriot trailer mm-hmm. behind the Raptor R, which I think is probably the only trailer that I can think of that would survive behind a Raptor R because I did push it. And I was shocked with how well the mm-hmm. Patriot held up to to Raptor R speeds. Yeah. Um, but it towed easily. It, it you know I and then also I slowed down and I just enjoyed the day and put the windows down and the the vehicle was incredibly comfortable and yeah. capable. You just didn't feel like that. There's anything that you would come across in the desert that would even make the truck blink. Yeah. Yeah. I think. I, I remember going back to, to one of the press launches I did on the Raptor and talking to the engineers. I'm like, what's the dumbest thing you see people do to the Raptor in the aftermarket? And they, like two guys simultaneously, leveling kits. And they're like, it, I don't, we don't get it. Like, you know, we've tuned the suspension. We have all this position-specific dampening and valving. Um, like, you just... Where I'm going with that is you just, you don't have to do those things with these vehicles anymore. Like they're just so capable. Yeah. You know, like, yeah, it might look a little cooler lifted or something, but there's a, there's a compromise. It's on 37s with 14 inches of suspension. You just don't need to do it anymore. Just let it go, man. Let it go. Yeah. Yeah. And. And just enjoy it. Have fun with it. The Raptor is, isn't always will be a great choice. You know, I mean, the, the F-150 is, I mean, is it still the most produced I believe so. I believe it's the most produced vehicle in the world. Yeah. Um, you know, or, it is. Or certainly and, in the U.S. Yeah, and this is the most refined version yeah. of the most produced yeah. car made. You can never discount the F-150. Like, And it had real payload. So, yeah. like, if you want to go to Home Depot, the one that I had showed 1,500 pounds on which the, is, on the which door Which is sill. significant because when I had mine, I believe it, dipped into the high 800s yeah. or low 900s yeah um, maybe it was 1440 it was exactly what it showed on the door yeah of the one sig- that i significant so it's it, it's enough to have a go fast camper or an at you know yeah. summit or whatever you want to put on the back of it um with some gear some extra fuel because you're probably going to need it um it did get better get gas mileage than the trx mm-hmm. uh, by uh, three or four miles per gallon um, it did not feel as fast as the TRX, but that could have just been... The TRX hit harder. It did. It did. And it could be like noise and suspension movement. It's Travel that impression. tuning. Like yeah, all, that impression, all impression of, of speed and power. The only downside I would say on the, on the Raptor R um, is that a lot of people are spending $150,000 to get this truck. It feels like a run-of-the-mill f-150 i don't know would it be a lariat or whatever it's it's, it's a, yeah it's very um pedestrian interior they've done some things to try to make it look fancier but it feels like 
that they tried to add some materials where they could. Um, so that's the only place where you feel it fall quite a bit short yeah. of the TRX. You know, and I think it's it's worth mentioning with a lot of these things. And and I guess this isn't this isn't financial advice, but we are in one of the only times in recent history where pickup trucks have, at a minimum, sold for sticker. Yeah, you know, so uh, when when you end up in an environment where you're paying sticker plus money yeah. for something um you just have to realize that you're likely never going to get that money back yeah right despite the, how the, the despite direction, how bitcoined out you feel like you are at the yeah moment. The, the direction that things are going is back to you know american pickup trucks being 5 10 15 20 percent below msrp at all times yeah we just haven't you know this kind of rolling recession or whatever hasn't quite hit well, we had the chip shortages, and yeah. then we had the labor shortages, and then we had the strikes. Well, and, so and it, Ford it, was really affected by that, yeah, um, more right. so than other manufacturers. Yeah, they so, really targeted them. Um, yeah, so you do have to, I think, be a little careful on the Raptor R. So the Raptor R actually won our editor choice for the upcoming article that's going to be printed in Overland Journal. It'll have some additional information and photographs um it's the one that i would uh, of everything on that list if it was you can have the keys to anything yeah and it's yours for keepsies but you have yeah. to drive it for a year it would, it would be a raptor r yeah my money would just be on the list would be a regular raptor yeah um that's but, good that's good perspective though yeah because you gain a lot of what they've learned in their these programs like the raptor r yeah i've, I've had so many fast cars like yeah. like really really fast stuff and it feels really great the first couple times to launch it or this or that. And then you realize that like the model Y golf cart next to you is faster <laughs> and it, and it just like, it changes your perspective. Like I think EVs have really kind of backed off the horsepower. Caring so a much marketing about, thing initially yeah. for sure. Yeah. Um, and they probably should back off a little bit because you know, you're just going to increase your range. Yeah, exactly. So. All right, so the next one on the list is the GMC Sierra 1500 AT4X AEV. Mm. So this is their most off-road capable of all of their full-size trucks. There are There is a Chevrolet equivalent, which is called a ZR2 Bison, um, in their 1500 full-size. Um, the, the GMC in my mind has a little bit more refined interior. It feels more ultra, which is why it is on this list. Um, it is the vehicle that on the list that I would buy with my own money because I've just been so impressed with the diesel AT4 that, uh, we've got in, in our project fleet. But the, the thing that I like about this vehicle is that it really is a, a significant improvement in overall refinement and quality. The TRX does feel a little more premium on the inside because they really paid attention to materials. But if you were to kind of just spend some time in the GMC, it really feels like you're in a premium European sedan. Like it's really well done. So I think day-to-day living in this thing is going to be really easy on you. I also like the GMC as far as an actual, like, as far as an actual overlander goes. Oh, for sure. It's the most overlandy of the bunch, it, for it sure. It is. Um, best fuel economy, and it's also not too wide. No. Um, here's the thing that Same I Same width as any of the other ones. The TRX, the Raptor, and the Bronco R. Bronco Ra- Raptor. Bronco yeah. Raptor. <laughs> white sunglasses car. Um, they're really wide. They are. And they're hard to park. They are. They're hard to park in in Prescott. Yeah, that's right. Like, and we live in the sticks. Yeah. You take them to a major city or you take them, you know, to a foreign city or you're going to actually drive it somewhere. Like, I would not want to be in those vehicles in a lot of situations. Yeah, they're big. They're, they're, they're big. Where, where the GMC is no wider than a, than a standard, you know, pickup truck in its class. Yeah, you're, the TRX is approaching Earthroamer width. Yeah, 100%. Like, the Earthroamer's not... Their throne were slightly narrower than a dually. Yeah. And um, so are all of those. That's vehicles. right. That's it's, right. It's actually kind of interesting. Whereas the GMC, they, they wanted to improve the capability with every metric. So by having the diesel, you have range. 
and there's you can actually change the tank to an aftermarket tank because it's diesel so it's yeah. not epa controlled well it's epa controlled but it's epa allowed to yeah. put in a larger tank so you can end up with a 700 mile range you can get low 20s to mid 20s miles per gallon if you keep your foot out of it it has the multimatic suspension system which i'm a big fan of uh, because it works well kind of at all speeds and then it has a rear locker which most of these vehicles do and a front locker which is only available in the wrangler and the bronco so the two other trucks don't have front lockers probably because they would explode yeah. if you put 700 horsepower <laughs> to an independent front suspension yeah. that's locked yeah i think that they have some they have a form of a traction modified differential in both of them they used They're to like a lsd or a torsen or something they used to and that that went away with this version of the f-150 raptor oh, oh yeah okay. so they no longer now it's traction control so it's fully computer control probably to manage the torque so well, they aren't blowing and, stuff and honestly on i had the torso in front and you could feel it yeah like the, the car would kind of would push and grab on on kind of quick quick turns that makes sense i didn't really like and they got rid of that so i think it's all just kind of managed with traction control now which it did a great job if you could ever get the thing to spin like like the raptor r is a monster off-road think, think of the one the traction of the tires yeah and to the width of the tires and the travel you can't get the tires off the ground enough for them for stuff to start spinning <laughs> it's yeah. like they're, it's they're, really they're good. really dang cool cars. it's really it's really good uh so the gmc you have that advantage of front and rear lockers multi-matic um standard width um diesel torque diesel fuel economy um where and and also all the aev components so you have you know, AEV steel front bumper, AEV steel rear bumper. Uh, you've got improved skid plates. There's a lot of things that come with the vehicle that up contents it for overlanding. The thing that starts to become a constraint is the payload. So this truck comes in right at around a thousand pounds of payload. Mm. So it's a full size truck. So if you and I wanted to go out for the day and carry two motorcycles and the two of us, we'd be over payload. Yeah. So you have to, we have to think of it within those constraints. Um, I don't think that the truck is actually being stressed at all. At a let, let's say you put fifteen hundred pounds in it. Yeah. I'm, this is not financial advice. This is not payload advice. But I'm just saying that <laughs> this is not payload advice. I don't think that that truck is going to care if there's fifteen hundred pounds yeah. in it uh, for a for a multitude of reasons. But it's not rated for it. Mm -hmm. So um, that is something to consider. Is you're probably not going to be able to put in the big camper that you want to put in the back of it. Yeah. So then you got to move up to that twenty five hundred. Mm. Yeah. Which has a 2600 pound payload the 2500 it's nice but the 1500 it's a little smaller it a little is. bit more manageable to yes. drive like like let's not forget like all I, i'm gonna exclude the 392 but all the other vehicles on this list and a lot of elements of overlanding would just suck to drive you know let's not forget like a, a one digit percentage of your driving on a trip to South America or to Africa or whatever is going to be technical terrain. Yeah. The rest of it is going to be on dirt roads or nice highways. Yeah. And these are all going to be or really parking or like normal life. Like, yeah. And the GMC is great for all that stuff. Yeah, it really is. All right. So now let's, we did talk about the TRX a little bit in the beginning, so I don't know that we need to touch on it other than just some of the cons that I found. Um, and the main con that I found is it's you can really tell the difference in uh, the tire diameter between the TRX and the Raptor R. Mm. If that TRX had 37s, it would it would be a much closer run between the two. Yeah. Uh, I was pretty impressed by the difference that 37s made on a full size, and I also really noticed it with the GMC too, because that even has a slightly smaller tire than the TRX. Yeah. So you, you do notice that if there's a way that you can bolt 37s from the factory on these trucks, yeah. the factories need to be thinking about how do they do that because it makes such a difference. It's a good tire size. Yeah. I, I, did you keep your tire diameter stock? Or I, did kept, you? I kept my TRX completely stock. Yeah. Um, you put a Lightner rack in the back. I put a right? Lightner rack on the back. And yeah, I don't think I touched it. Yeah, it, I didn't, don't think so. it didn't need it. Maybe you did some lights on it, maybe? No, because no. I don't drive at night. <laughs> That's a good idea. That's a good idea. Um, I, I, yeah, I, ha I, have, I have like fancy lights on 
on my earth roamer and i'm just like hmm well that could just be better cooling and less complexity yeah um i don't use them uh trx was a great vehicle um i don't think why I, did you sell it uh because jackson at uh ellis ram dodge jeep chrysler in glendale had a uh matt scott package prospector xl show up okay got it yeah so so we can yeah we'll we'll talk about the prospector in a few minutes so that's why you sold yeah. it it was fine because because I, I was hood rich at the time well and you also you also sang high praises of the trx the whole time you owned it yeah like we it, it was just we, we had a really early one and we took it to, to car week and carmel and monterey because that's kind of another world that i have fun in and to drive a pickup truck that got that many looks because they weren't really out yet. Yeah. And it was that pop in blue too. And it was the, the hydro blue, but it was great because we were able to go from Prescott to Carmel in a really easy drive. Like it, 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 it was a great grand touring vehicle. Super comfortable. Um, the, it wasn't too long. It was like the silent on the inside. Super quiet. Yeah. yeah. Um, as a road going vehicle, it was like, and the fact that it had so has so much capability on the dirt, I, I just found it really nice just for a day out in the dirt because yeah. it had so much reserve capability and so much comfort that I, I actually never found myself airing down. And I'm a big proponent of airing down tires. And you just didn't need to. It was so comfortable. It, it, it was a great car. Um, fuel economy would, would be my main yeah. uh, gripe. And, and I think that the suspension's good for how you realistically use it. That's what I found. Um, but I think that the Raptor has better suspension. Oh yeah, and it's and noticeable. It's, I drove them back to back, and it's, it's noticeable. It's pow- power is great for the street when you're off road. It's like an adventure bike. You know, we have these 200 horsepower adventure bikes, <laughs> and the moment you put them into like the off road mode, they have like 70. Yeah, 70 to 100. Yeah, you, you you just don't need it. Like it's fun for you know doing donuts and stuff in the dunes, but I'll take the travel. Like again, like I've. I would just take a regular Raptor. Yeah. All right. So then now let's talk about the 392 Wrangler. It's definitely, and I mentioned this a little bit earlier, but it's the one that I just felt so hooning in. Like I just, I wanted to race everything. I don't know why. Maybe it was just yeah. that week. I was just like feeling extra Scotty salty or whatever, but I, I kept it the entire time in full exhaust mode. Mm. And the only thing that would have been better is that, the windows were tinted so that no one could recognize me being such an idiot, an idiot for the entire week. There, uh, one, I just think that the JL as a chassis is really well sorted. Yeah. I think it's really well developed. Um, you know, it is, a, it is an evolution of the JK, which was pretty dang good to start with. Yeah. Um, I, I, I find this one hard to fault. Yeah, like I, it, I, I just really couldn't. I just thought it was awesome. It would be the most, again, like the 392 isn't really any wider than a regular Jeep. You're not getting into the Bronco no. Raptor territory where it's like really, really wide and you have like, you know, I mean, the, the body of the Bronco is wider than the body of the Wrangler. Yes. And then the Bronco Raptor has bigger fenders than the Wrangler. Yes. Um. So the 392 is still capable on trails. Oh, we took, yeah. We, uh, not, not that the Bronco isn't capable on trails. That's the, I should say that a different way. It's just, it's a lot more manageable. Yeah. Right? If you were to go drive like the doozy Ursham with yeah. the Bronco Raptor, you, you would have no, fenders. you would have none of the fenders at the other end of it. Most likely. Yeah. Whereas the Wrangler would it be like, uh, you you get done with that trail and you take it in for an oil change. You know, it's like the, it, it's so it has so much capability and it's also that familiar capability. So like Dave Harriton has talked about, well, not only did he call the 392 peak Jeep. So if there was ever anybody that could make an, a declaration around a vehicle, it's Dave Harriton yeah. and he called the 392 peak Jeep. Mm-hmm. So if this is the peak of what we're going to see for overall kind of like rowdiness, fun V8 powered Wrangler, uh, V8 powered Jeep, that's probably the last of it. And it's also just extremely capable off-road. It just works. It, 392 Wrangler, they did a 20th anniversary edition 
and then they had a level two package which was basically like the aev jl370 pack right um but it was available through like the dealer um not an aev dealer a jeep dealer that is peak jeep like i don't know um i don't know if it'll get better than that yeah i mean in some ways i'm sure it will um, I really it, like the four by E there's lots of things that, I mean, Wrangler is just great. It's just a great car. Like I like the four by E and that's the one that I like to think that I would buy. But if they were both sitting there at the same price, <laughs> you know that you'd take the three ninety two. Yeah, I would. I mean, it, for me, it would be the, it would be such a fun vehicle just to have. Yeah. You know, to, to loan to people when they come into the town or whatever, just it, like if I didn't have vehicle. my, my AEV Hemi LJ. Yeah, that'd be the one. I'd probably have that. Yeah, it's just, it is literally just fun. Mm -hmm. Like any of the cons that I would come up with other than just remember, like it's not fast in the dirt. Like do not drive it fast in the dirt. Remember the Woe Nelly? It's like, yeah. Buck Buck and Bronco. Yeah. Um, Got a little spicy. The, the Wrangler has made a lot of improvements. We have the full floating rear axle. We have payloads up to 1,500 pounds on some vehicles. Uh, not the 392. Um, there are still some downsides. If I'm gonna, if I'm gonna talk smack on the Raptor, I gotta be somewhat yeah. balanced with the with the Wrangler. Um, at this point, I would, I would almost like them uh, uh, to just be a hard top and not a convertible. I think that the internal roll cage just takes up too much space. Like you have this external shell, and then you, which is what you think the the volume of the vehicle will be and that's already small and then if you're a bigger guy like i kind of hit my head oh yeah it's it's a little it's a little compact in there yeah um and then and then they do these like that they go they the the angled rear roll bar drives me crazy it it allows people to do that stupid fastback yeah i've never understood that top it's like then buy a two-door like if you (laughs) want less room no but but the point being is like it whenever you're trying to do something on the interior of a wrangler uh modifying it to be a camper or or putting accessories in it or putting a bag or luggage in it there's always a roll bar in the way or there's a speaker in the way it yeah some of the audio packages put put like a huge subwoofer in the back now yeah so it's just even less space so you kind of got to go like a backpack i i i love the heritage that you can still take the you know the doors off and all of that like but if they made a model like they've answered a lot of our you know hopes and prayers for overlanding with the wrangler for me the next one would just be a dedicated hardtop model like they did with that recon many yeah. years ago. Yeah. Um, and then they eventually came out with the recon package, but yeah, um, it's, it's, it's almost like I kind of want like the soft top pack or I want, yeah, you know, like it's one of those things that maybe could go away, but then as I, like, I love Jeeps and I love the fact that they still do it. Yep. Right? You got to give them a lot of credit for yeah. sticking. Um, to they're their trying to make like, a lot of different groups happy. Cause there's a lot of people like, let's say in these coasts, just buy a Jeep instead of a motorcycle. And it's their, you know, they get ice cream with their wife in it, or they take it's their the kids one, out. It's the one sunny it, day, yeah. You know, and, and, and that's great, you know. And that's why that power sunroof is really cool. Yeah. That power cloth sunroof is yeah. actually very, I was super skeptical of that thing until I drove one, and I'm like, okay, that's awesome. Yeah. And I would have it open all the time because it was super fun. Yeah, the 392 is great. It'll be interesting to see what happens next. Mm. I, they, you know, they sell a quarter million Wranglers a year, so they're going to keep innovating because it's such important, like, g- ground for them to hold with this all this competition. So, and I fortunately, think- they have they have Matt Scott to keep the Bronco at bay <laughs> on sales. I think we need to get another one out here and just have you take a look at it again. Maybe it's improved. Maybe. Okay, so now we've got some bonus trucks yeah. to talk through, which we included in the article. So they're they're not an an also ran. That's not what we're trying to say. They just fall either they either way overshoot the mark or, or they way undershoot, undershoot the or they un, just undershoot the mark. You're right. Yeah. Just it's just a just undershoot. So we'll start off by talking with the Mercedes Galandewagen four x four squared, which really, if you were to have to 
to describe Ultra Overlander without any words. It's you like, could probably show that picture. It's yeah. It, it's like it's the the four by four squared is the official vehicle of people who are stealing food from the UN World Food Program. Like oh, no, like it is it is distasteful. It is amazing. Yeah. It is horrible. It is phenomenal. Yeah, it is everything at once. The grand dichotomy. It's hard to take seriously. That's. I think, I think that's the challenge for me is that. The G-Wagon, when it was first designed, and even in many iterations today, it's still a very serious car. Yeah. But the 4x4 squared is very difficult to take seriously because of the motor that they put in it and kind of the opulence and the signaling that happens around it. It has all of the off-road chops that a regular G-Wagon has. Yeah, even a little more. And then you have portal axles and you have 37s and you have like some pretty serious dampening technology um, that I just, they're just kind (laughs) of too much. It's a lot. And for Matt Scott to say that's too much. Like, like you would feel a little uncomfortable. I would driving that through Malawi. Yeah. Yeah. You You absolutely would. It's it's, a, it's, it's like, uh, it's like, there's wearing like ultra overlander like the the raptor r or like a raptor it's like wearing a rolex explorer yeah it's pretty understated but it's still a rolex yeah but then the four by four squared is like busting out your like pagani whatever you know (laughs) yeah hublot something it's a hublot right like it's it's very like miami yeah like it's a ultra overlander from miami yeah like no, I think so. Yeah. And and the challenge is that it doesn't really make sense mm. to use for travel for a lot of reasons. I think you just put yourself at a lot of risk. It's also very one-off and unique, so it's going to mm. be difficult to ever get it serviced um, or have a prayer of getting something repaired if something goes wrong. So, I mean, yeah. kind of like my Raptor R, uh, where the Raptor is the better version of the Raptor R, the regular G is really cool yeah right um you can you could you could package them in in such a way that they were a little um you know less conspicuous yeah um you can get them in tan you can get them in white you can get them in black um and you really don't need it i think the other challenge that the four by four squared has is is it quote unquote only has 37s and that's a lot of complexity and ground clearance and whatever to put up with Something that like a, a, a tire size that a Wrangler can nearly fit stock. I mean, yeah. we're talking like a like a inch and a half, two inch lift yep. from the factory, and yep. on a JL, you're fitting thirty sevens. Yep. Um, yeah, it's it's conspicuous. Yeah, and it's very ultra. But so fun. if you wanted the ultra ultra, but if you have a house in Aspen and you want to, you know, drive to Crested Butte for lunch and then drive back and go really fast. One, call me. Two, um, uh, th- this is the perfect vehicle for that. Yeah. You know, it is probably the most ultra overlander. Yeah. Um, it's the ultra ultra. Yeah. All right. So then let's talk about the TRD Pro because we, we really wanted to try to include something from Toyota in this list, but Toyota tends to be very conservative. Yeah, they're not really, an, they're not like an extra company. No, they Even just, Lexus yeah. isn't really that extra. No, and, and I think in the most authentic way, whereas, yeah. whereas the G-Wagon comes across as um, like re- the extreme form of, of like wealth signaling, mm-hmm. which is usually means that you don't have money, but because um, the wealthy people that I know don't drive those, they drive prospectors. So, yeah. <laughs> um, but... I think that the opposite of that is the stuff that Toyota makes. These are honest, authentic vehicles with an incredible amount of heritage, engineering, reliability, and durability. And the the TRD Pro, or if you want to look at it as the TRD Pro Sequoia, any of that kind of iteration mm-hmm. of the vehicles, we haven't had a chance to drive the new Tacoma yet, although that I'm sure that'll happen soon. But the, the TRD Pro uh, Tundra, it's got... 500 plus horsepower. It's got this hybrid drivetrain in it um, with electrification. So it's not a plug-in hybrid, but it's a hybrid. Um, and it's got 
33s, you can do a factory lift and put 35s on it and retain your warranty. Yeah. So it's it's like the most ultra of the Toyotas. It's like I want something quality and good. Yeah. But something that's not too extra. Like it's it's not flamboyant enough. No, not at all. To make that the the list, but it's like it's like right there. Yeah. And you've actually brought up Tundra a couple times. Yeah, I, yourself. I, I like the Tundra. I mean, you know, sharing a chassis architecture with you know the 300 series Land Cruiser. I yep. think it's really cool. Um, you know, I I almost bought one. Actually. I know you were looking and at then, them hard, and then it was like 15 grand over, and then you realize, oh wow, I'm paying 90 grand for a Tundra. That, yeah, like you know, is okay. You bought the right truck. You, yeah. You know, you bought a 7.3. Seven three. Yeah, there you go. Um, yeah, I want to get So the Tundra is nice in the fact that it's got about an inch and a half lift over stock with the TRD Pro. It's got good suspension on it. It's got rear locking differential, 33s. Yeah, and, and, and while it's maybe the most pedestrian thing on the list, it's still not like it's still a really great vehicle it's Absolutely. gonna be very dependable yep. it's gonna retain its value i mean raptors retain their value really well but um tundras are in another level yeah and some would maybe argue and also a great it would be a great vehicle to overland around the world in because you wouldn't be searching out ultra low sulfur diesel um you'd have reliability decent fuel economy yeah for sure um Although, although that is one criticism I do hear of the Tundra is that it's fallen quite a bit short of expectations. Oh, interesting. With the hybrid configuration around fuel economy. Performance is great. Yeah. Uh, because the, the horsepower numbers are up there. But um, yeah, economy is not so great. Mm. So, Well, back but to the F-150. Back to the F-150, <laughs> exactly. All right. So then uh, the last one on the list. Now, this is what I had was the power wagon mm. uh, because if you think about it 15 years ago there would have been one ultra overlander on the maybe two on the list there would have been the g-wagon mm. and the power wagon yep because uh, there just really wasn't anything else that power was, wagon was ahead of its time for in sure a lot of ways and it's i'm grateful that it's still available um front and rear lockers front sway bar disconnect it's very ultra um you it's know also a very simple truck you know it's got the six four yep. and it has a 392 in it it's the 392 truck motor a little different um yeah it's it's having owned like a prospector xl and having owned a regular 2500 of the same year it's weird um the power wagon is kind of the, the the sweet spot. Like it's the one if you're gonna if you're gonna have like one car, the power wagon would be pretty good. Yeah, you know the the diesel trucks are great, um, you know, but the power wagon has a better transmission in it, right? A lot more updated. You know, has the ZF eight HP trans. You know, the fuel economy is not terrible on the power wagon. You get the winch, you get steel bumpers, you get... Yeah, compared to the others on this list to qualify that fuel economy statement. <laughs> I mean, it's not great. None of these are great. Yeah. Um, but the power wagon's good. And then you have now this diesel equivalent called the Rebel. Um, yeah, which we had one of those. I don't think that you get... A, you do not get a front disconnecting sway bar. Or a front locker. Or a front locker because squillions of pound-feet of torque. That's right. Um, it would just go... Yes. Uh, but that's also a great choice if you can't get past not having a diesel. Yep. Um, so you can build out a AV prospector yeah. on the Rebel chassis, 2500, get you a rear locker, get you Fodies. Of, of the, of the uh, non-official menu that we've presented, that's what I would do, is it would be a, a, a Rebel 3500, actually, this time. I wouldn't do the 2500 again. Do they have a Rebel 3500? I think so. Yeah, maybe. I think it's just a package. Yeah, hopefully. If not, I don't know that. I would just do it. I would do another PXL, but I, I am personally, I would wait for a new driveline because that driveline is, actually, that truck is kind of ancient in a lot of ways. Um, you know, they kind of, the interior is nice on it, um, but the bones of the 2500 are a little 
long in the tooth, mm. you know? Um, it uh, definitely feels that way when you compare it to the GMC 2500. Yeah. Like Ford had a better transmission 15 years ago than Ram has right now. Yeah. You know, um, and everybody is on 10 speeds or at least eight GM, like a 11 or ten, no, they have a 10, 10 speed, yeah. you know, and then you still have the six speed for the, you know, the, the diesel trucks, yep. you get the eight speed for the power wagon, which is where the power wagon kind of is nice. And the ride quality on the power wagon is a lot better yeah. than the, than the full three quarter ton diesel or the one ton. Well, you open the hood on it and you realize that that 392 is not that big of an, of an engine no. and it sits way down in and way far back where yeah. this, the diesel engine is like, like it's, it's substantial. Like yeah. it's a, it's, it's got its own it's zip code. Unit. Yeah. Um, so there's a lot going on for the and power the power wagon. wagon comes with a factory winch. Yeah. I Warren winch. Does uh does putting a camper on the power wagon still like technically void the warranty? Oh, that I'm not familiar with. Um, although it's a well-suited truck for like a very simple four wheel camper. Yeah, perfect for that. So it, the vehicle comes in at around 1600 pounds of payload. So it's not, terrible yeah but it, remember it's a three-quarter ton but it's only got 1600 pounds of payload so it's this weird that's this what weird prospector had yeah it's about 1600 but that's after, after all winch, the stuff. after bumper after yeah. all of the upfits right so exactly hmm. anything well, else that we're missing on the list i don't think so hmm. for those that are listening if we've missed your favorite ultra overlander please let us know or if you've ultraed your own truck mm-hmm. and you want to let us know what you did yeah to make it extra special um it would be easy to say oh we've missed the range rover but it's not i mean kind of the defender the v8 supercharged defender but, yeah um, which i like them all but it it is um it did not really kind of meet my expectation mm-hmm. for this category which included some of that higher speed yeah um little bit of that maybe you said it right with the flamboyance like there's there's just something although like a a defender 90 with a v8 is pretty ultra yeah it's pretty cool so yeah that would be another one to include and it would be a fun car to own yeah it would be it i i love the concept of the defender uh, yeah well, a 130 would be like something yeah. i would totally consider but there's a lot of fun vehicles out there, and yeah. we wanted to have a podcast talking about fun, ultra kind of overlandy stuff, and not take it too serious. Yeah, I'll not always su- always spend the money on travel. Yeah, not on the vehicle. But if you have time and money. <laughs> these are fun toys. They are, and we're not suggesting that anybody should consider these for their overland travels. But it is, it might work for somebody with has like the right kind of for like North for for this new north american overlanding thing yeah perfect yeah exactly so cool well thanks matt thank you and we thank you all for listening and we'll talk to you next time